Uh, turn with me tonight to Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I want to read from verse 14 right through to chapter 5 and in the verse 8. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, and we'll read through to chapter 5, verse 8. Not too hard to find, New Testament, Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. If you find the place, let's hear the word of the Lord. Reading, of course, as we've always said, from the authorized verse. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that, Whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 8. And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this evening is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. It reads as follows, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And my theme tonight is the Christian's longing for the heavenly home. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, is a very precious and powerful verse. It's a verse that has brought much help and hope to thousands of Christians the world over down through the ages. And many of God's dear people can testify that they have been greatly encouraged even through meditation on this verse. Now, this verse, of course, 
is not for everybody. The Apostle Paul is speaking of himself when he said, For we know, and also he is speaking of every true born-again believer, that is, those who have experienced the new birth, those who have been brought to life and the liberty of the gospel through faith in Jesus Christ, those who are truly and genuinely converted and have a testimony that they're children of God, those who have been made new creatures in Christ, as we could say, those who have a testimony to the saving and keeping power of Christ. And I, I asked you tonight, are you a genuine believer who has trusted in Christ? And if you are, then there's, there's precious things in this verse for you. And if you're not tonight, we pray that even some of its light, even for the people of God, might be brought to bear upon your heart and your experience. Now, what's this verse really saying to us? I want you to think of three things. I want you to think, first of all, of the cruelty of hardship that we face. Paul says, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. Now, what does that mean? What does that refer to? The word tabernacled refers to a tent. A tent, remember, is a temporary structure, a, a temporary dwelling, something that's subject to um, decay. It's not a permanent building. And the Apostle Paul, I believe, is using the word tabernacle or tent as a metaphor for these human bodies in which we live, and the life that we live in them. Remember, the body is the temporary house of our soul. And one day, this body will be taken down at the hour of death. In other words, this body will not live and exist forever. You see, Paul's a tent maker, and he's well aware of the temporary nature of the tent. He may even been thinking, as would happen in our day, at children who are playing outside, maybe in the garden, and they love making a, 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 a temporary or a makeshift structure uh, and put some sort of sheet over it. And uh, they know that that's not the real house that they live in. That's only a temporary thing. And one day it'll be taken down. And, and this is what Paul is referring to. He says... If our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. And he's thinking about the day of our death. One day we will die. And remember the Bible tells us, Hebrews 9, 27, And as is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. And of course in that day the body will return to the dust of the ground from whence it came. And the spirit and the soul will leave the body. And it will go to one of two places. It'll either go to heaven or it will go to hell. And of course, the destiny of our soul is determined by whether we have trusted in Christ as Lord and Saviour. And that was true of Adam, but it's also true of all of us. And yet, while this primarily refers to um, the, the, the finality of the human body in that sense, it also can have an application to the frailty of the human body. 
If you turn over there tonight to the book of Ecclesiastes and read with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. King Solomon is, of course, a very wise and learned man. And um, in Ecclesiastes 12, he's, he's dealing with the frailty of the human body. Let, let me just read something to you from that passage and then I'll try to explain it. He talks about in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows be darkened and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fears shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail. Why? Here, listen to what he says in verse 5. Because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Verse 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. Now, Solomon is using very poetic license there, and he's referring real, really to the frailty and the weakness of the human body in the advancement of the years. The strong legs. He, he spoke there of strong men shall bow themselves. In other words, men who are strong in time, eventually will become stooped over and they'll be a lot slower as far as their uh, footsteps are concerned. The reference to the grinders being few is a reference to um, one's teeth. The windows being darkened is a reference to the eyes getting dim, the need for glasses. The reference to the doors being shut is a reference to, to having a hearing problem. The reference to the voice of the birds waking up it means that they're no longer a deep sleeper. They're, they're a light sleeper and the, the, the slightest noise and, and they're wide awake. The uh, reference to the heights is a, is a fear of heights. And of course, many elderly people have a, a sincere uh, fear of heights. There, there are very few people like uh, the late Mr. Dunlop. I remember coming up here years ago when he was living and he was right on top of the ridge. And I said to him, now, Mr. Bernop, be careful that you don't fall. And I remember him looking down and said, no, no, I'll not fall. And uh, there, there's very few like that. But, but mostly elderly people don't like uh, climbing up ladders or going to a height. The reference to the almond tree flourishing is a reference to the color of the hair turning white and gray. Why? Because man goeth to his long home. And the mourners go about the streets. While death is a reality, in light of death that's coming, that there's a, a weakening of the body. The, the, the reference to death here is a reference to the, the temporary nature of life, to the, the, the vanity and, the as, as I've said, the frailty as well as the finality of human life. And King Solomon's older and he's looking back. And he's thinking about the advancement of years, maybe thinking about himself. 
And he knows that there's a day coming when he's going to leave this world. A day when he'll be taken from it. And, and, and even all the, the, the hardships and the heartaches and the problems that he has had. He knows that, that they're not going to last forever. And he'll be taken from them as well. A day to be born. A day to die. And in between all the uncertainty of life. In the face of death. Didn't the Apostle Paul know hardship and heartache? Think of the beatings he endured. Think of the shipwrecks. Think of the stonings. Think of the imprisonment. Do you know what he called it? Light affliction. He said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. He acknowledged here in this reading, but though our outward man perish. She's referring to the body. And the outward man is often in pain. And in that body, which is like a tent, there's a reference to groaning. In fact, he, he says, for in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. He says in verse 4, for we that are in the tabernacle do groan. And that's a reference, is it not, to, to physical pain. How many are well aware of the frailty of human life? And know in their heart of hearts they're, they're getting older. Someone has said, you know you're getting old when you're sitting in a rocking chair and can't get it started. Someone else has said, you know when you're getting old when your knees buckle, but your belt won't. Someone has said that life is passing. It's temporary. This word dissolve that, that he mentions here means to demolish destroy or to listen the thought is of a traveller at the end of a big journey arriving at an inn for a particular night and he listens to the straps that hold the burden of the animal and the burden comes to the ground and the animal's released from that burden and that's what he's thinking about one day all of us will experience the icy cold hand of death itself if Jesus doesn't return our loved ones some have already faced it we ourselves will face it we'll not live in the body forever and that's why I've talked tonight about the cruelty of hardship or heartaches that we face we face the finality of life we face the mortality of life we face the frailty of human life life is temporary body is but the house of the soul one day it will die one day will be loosed from it and yet the amazing thing is this that that's not the end maybe we get asked tonight do you fear death do you fear its reality do you fear its call are you ready as the bible says prepare to meet thy god think secondly tonight only if the cruelty of the heartaches that we face but think of the clarity of the home that we find. Paul says, We have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Think of those words. We have a building of God. 
See, we get talked tonight about the glory and splendor of the Christian's new home. I, I oftentimes imagine what it would be like to move into a brand new home. A brand new home that's been designed for you specifically to, to meet your need, to your specification. I, I imagine getting the title dates and owning it, not, not the bank, but, but you owning it outright. And then add to that, you've got a desire to move in. And all you're waiting for is the date. And all the expectation and the excitement. And that's what Paul's thinking about. The Christian's brand new home. The building of God. And the Apostle Paul is thinking here about heaven. The Christian's eternal state. And in contrast to a temporary tent that can be taken down quickly. And in contrast to, to having bodies that are weak and frail and weary and mortal. And remember he talks about this vile body. Just like a tent that can be dissolved and crumbled quickly. The Christian has a brand new home. We have a building of God. A house, not a tent, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. See, let me encourage you tonight. Heaven is a perfect place, a building of God. Think of the nature of that place. Surely the words lovely and beautiful and glorious could describe it. A place with no flaws. A place where there's no wrong design. A place where there's no disputes. We live in a world that's shaped by sin. We live in a world of sorrow and we've all experienced the bitterness of sorrow and the bread of affliction. We live in a world of struggle and strife. And yet in heaven, what do we read there? We read, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Why? Because it's a perfect place. It's a building of God. God has wrought this place. Heaven's also a permanent place. He mentions the word eternal, eternal in the heavens. Heaven is forever. We were singing tonight, forever with the Lord. Our life here is temporary. And of course, for many people, life can be very tragic because of the, the, the waves of trouble and affliction that, that come their way. But the home in heaven, it's eternal. And it's reserved in heaven for us. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be dissolved. It, it, it cannot fade away. You contrast the, the, the temporary nature of our human bodies. And then think about something that's everlasting. Something that's eternal. You know, we, we talk about earth being the land of the living. Really, it's the land of the dying. Heaven really is the land of the living because they live forevermore. They live in eternal bliss. Heaven's also a prepared place. If you turn over there to John uh, chapter 14 and we read there uh, the Lord Jesus encouraging his disciples in the upper room 
And what did he talk to them about? He talked to them about heaven. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now listen to these words. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. And we could rightly tonight talk about heaven being a prepared place for a prepared people. God designed heaven. The splendor, the beauty, the glory, the majesty, the wonder, the worth of that place is all of God. And when did God do this? Let me encourage you tonight. God did this before the world began. Did you know that Matthew chapter 25 verse 41 says, Then shall the king say unto them at his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That, that is before you and I were born. Before the world began. Before God created this universe in which we know God the Father, God the Son and God the Spirit had prepared heaven for his people from before the very foundation of the world. You see, it's a building of God. It's not just a perfect building without flaw. It's not just permanent because it's eternal. It's also prepared. Can I tell you something else? Heaven's a peaceful place. Think of this word building. It refers to a good solid structure in contrast to a tent. I, I think of people who are um, hard workers and they maybe come in from the farm or the factory or their place of employment and, and they go home to a, a good solid structure to relax, to rest. To have refreshment. And that's especially so after a hard day's work. And you think of life. The trials and troubles of life. You think of all the bitter disappointments that can come. You, you think of the bad news that you can get. The, the telephone call that can just send you into a panic and a spin. And here he's talking about a building of God in contrast to a tent. And, and that building's a place of residence. It's a good solid structure. It's a place of peace and rest and refreshment. I read to Olive just the other night, and the God of peace shall be with you. We talked a little minute about just the Prince of Peace and, and, and the principle of peace and, and the price of peace. Then the Apostle Paul say, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And that word keep means to, to garrison. And you know, if God gives us peace here, amidst all the tumults of the world, then how much more do we not have eternal peace? Peace forevermore. As we go to this beautiful mansion. It's a peaceful place. And it's a precious place. When we die and leave our body and the soul and spirit, returns to God that made them. Death, remember, of the body is not the end. 
The body is just the house of the soul. There's life beyond death. This is something that's denied by the vast majority. But we believe tonight as a church in the immortality of the soul. And, and doesn't the Bible tell us precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So that makes heaven a, a precious place. The death of the body is not the end. The soul is left. It's gone into the near presence of the Lord. It's with Christ forevermore. And even the body, that's not the end. Because in the day of resurrection, the body of the believer is going to be raised up, rejoined to the soul, and body and soul forever will be with the Lord. And that makes it an even more precious place. The clarity of the home we've found. And one final thing. Think about the certainty of the hope we've foreseen. He says in the text, and this is what drew my attention we were speaking this morning of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, thinking of the word uh, confident. Uh, and my mind was drawn to this passage. He says, for we know. You see, Paul has conviction. Paul has got certainty here. Paul has got clarity. And this is a sure and steadfast hope. In other words, Paul's saying... We're absolutely sure of heaven. We're going to heaven. We're going to share heaven with Christ. What does that mean? The Christian will never be homeless. Yes, and the tent will be taken down. But when the tent's taken down, in that moment you've got a home in heaven. Where does that confidence and clarity come from? It's guaranteed. Paul is sure. Why and how is Paul is sure? Think of the preparation. Heaven, remember, as I've said, is a prepared place for a prepared people. One day we'll leave the body, and on that day we'll be clothed with immortality. And look at verse 5 as we bring in the context. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God. It's God's work. God has made it a reality. God has prepared heaven for us from the foundation of the world. And God is preparing us for heaven. That's why he saved us. We, we know that we can't enter in in our sin. We know we're born sinners by nature and practice. We know that left to ourselves, we're in a, 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 an unregenerate state. We know that we're unprepared to meet God. We know we're in a state of ungodliness. But, but God has brought to light the great life and liberty of the gospel. We've heard the good news of Jesus Christ. We've heard that it's possible and it's a glorious reality to enjoy and experience the knowledge of sins forgiven. We can have peace with God. We can know that we're born again of the Spirit. We have an interest in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And for those of you who have experienced the new birth and have the knowledge of sins forgiven and have peace with God and know Christ as Savior and God as Father, the work's done. And, and since heaven has been prepared for us, God is now saving us 
and preparing us for heaven. And if God has prepared heaven for us from all eternity, and God is in Christ preparing us for heaven to bring us home to glory, is not what the Lord Jesus says? I'll go and prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Then that guarantees a place for us. As I've said, the Christian can never be homeless. Think of our preparation. Think of our position. In Christ. Paul used that word 90 times. In Christ. He, he, he was referring, of course, to our union with Christ. You see, whenever Jesus Christ died on the cross, we died in union with Christ. When Jesus Christ arose again from the dead, we arose in union with Christ. We were in him. He was our head and representative. When, when Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and high, we sat in union with Christ. And where Christ is, where Christ dwells, we are in him. Our, our citizenship is in heaven. If you think of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14, he says, Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also high by Jesus and shall present us with you. Isn't that tremendous? You see, it's an impossibility for a person who is saved and in union with Jesus Christ to be kept out of heaven. Everyone in Christ will be admitted. Nobody will be turned away. The price has been paid. Remember the Lord Jesus went all the way to the cross to secure eternal redemption for us. He cried out, um, it is finished. And he, he, he not only shed his blood that our sin question could be dealt with, but he shed his blood and by the shedding of his blood, he was opening heaven for us. And in Christ, by virtue of being in union with him, we're guaranteed a place there. And we'll only be there because of him. Remember what the Bible says in Acts 4 verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. As we've said this morning, salvation is in Christ alone. It's received through faith alone. And it's rooted in the grace of God alone. Think of something else. Think of our pledge. You know, in the old times, they used to talk about when people years back, a century or so ago, sold a property and somebody else bought it, they had to give a down payment. They probably still have to do that today. And do you know what that used to be called? It used to be called the earnest. It wasn't a reference really to, to the Christian name earnest, but it was called the earnest. In other words, it was the down payment. If you look at verse 5, God has given us a down payment. Here's our pledge, or his pledge to us. Now that he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. That's the pledge. That's the down payment. In other words, we have been born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God indwells us. And, and that indwelling of the Spirit is God's down payment. It's God's guarantee that, that one day 
the fullness of all that God has planned and prepared for us will become ours in reality. And it will not be because of what we have done. It will not be because of our works or efforts or schemes or plans. Paul says, for we know. He says, we are confident. And he used that word deliberately. In other words, here's the certainty of the hope that we have foreseen. God has prepared heaven for us and preparing us for heaven. Because of our position in Christ. Because of the pledge that God has given. He's given us already of a spirit. And think of our prospect. <coughs> he says in verse 8, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. In a sense, you know, every Christian has a great prospect. He has the assurance and the, 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 the guarantee, I'll never be homeless. One day, even in the day of my death, I have a home in heaven, a building of God prepared for me. And that foretaste and that foreshadowing, uh, in a sense, is, as, is already in his soul. As soon as he dies, or she dies, in the exact moment, when the body and death come, Death dissolves the bond of life immediately. It's absent from the body and present with the Lord. No limbo, no purgatory, that's an invention of Roman Catholicism. No waiting for a thousand years and paying money into a church or to a priest to say prayers for you and say masses to get you out. Remember the story of the dying faith. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And what did the Lord Jesus say to him? Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Let me ask, have you this certainty? Is God preparing you for heaven? Because you're found tonight in Christ. And he's already given you the pledge, the earnest of the spirit. And you have this prospect. One day for me it'll be absent from the body. And present with the Lord. I'm thrilled, of course, when I read in Revelation chapter 13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write unto me, write, Blessed are the dead, which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works to follow them. Blessed be the dead. Isn't that almost like a contradiction? Blessed means happy, happy. Old John Wesley used to talk about Methodism, that they die well. And, and how could that be? Somebody's taken out of this scene in a tragic accident. Somebody's smitten with a, a sudden illness and, and all of a sudden in health and strength and now they're reduced to utter weakness, dependent on medical uh, profession to help and aid them. They're dying well. What do you mean, Mr. Wesley? Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. The prospect is the moment we close our eyes in death, present with the Lord. Imagine dying. I've tried to conjure this and waking up in, in an instant in heaven. And the first person you see is the Lord Jesus. Could you imagine that? We can't really. But a soul thrilling. The person who loved us and died for us welcoming us home to heaven. 
seeing an answer to his prayer. Father, I will that they whom thou hast given thee be with me where I am. Isn't that tremendous? That's our prospect. Now let me ask, have you that assurance? Do you know that blessedness tonight? Can you say yes in truth? I'm in Christ. There was a day I received him as my Lord and Saviour. And you know what? I'm glad I'm saved, preacher. And I'm away to heaven and away to home. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you.